Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go, coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting as we always do, from the tippy top of the world-famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not celebrating the Inflation Reduction Act at the White House today. Joe Biden inviting Democrats out to take a victory lap after losing the game. This is the biggest schmuck I've ever met. True story. Inflation spiking 8.3% last month, year over year. We're going to throw the challenge flag. We got a busy one today. John Rich, country music superstar, is going to be in the house. Economics professor Brian Brenberg, Fox News contributor, of course. And we will also speak with Caroline Leavitt, who has a big Republican primary up in New Hampshire today. Yourself also welcome to join, launch your own campaign, whatever you want to do. It's an all skate. You could be a Republican on the show. You could be a Democrat. We don't care. Just don't be a. There it is. Happy Tuesday, everybody, Uh, especially, especially in the Fela House, where Lincoln Fela and the mighty Clark Rams get off to a one and oh start. Oh, I think the studio audience is happy. My goodness gracious. They didn't cover the spread yesterday. The line was three and a half. I would have been turning tricks behind Port Authority. What the hell did you just say? Oh, stop it. It's being silly. I'm happy to celebrate a genuine win. Okay, what's being sold today as we get on the air is anything, literally anything but a win. Uh, We're going to talk later about this with Brian Brenberg, but I wanted to dump in off the top because when I saw this go out today, like they're today, like the White House today. They, they could have done this any day of the week, but they chose today to celebrate an Inflation Reduction Act that doesn't reduce inflation. Like, honestly, was April Fool's booked? Do they already have a date on the calendar? Sorry, we can't celebrate this act today. OK, and again, everything you need to know by the fact that they are out there singing the praises of this bill because of what? Well, it. Fights climate change like nothing we've ever seen. This is total crap. Okay, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act. I think it would be very reasonable of us to expect, oh, I don't know, a little inflation reduction. I think he's got a point. But here's my question, okay, to follow up that point. Does this bill, according to the Congressional Budget Office, reduce inflation in any way? (laughs) No. What it, in fact, will do in the short term is drive up inflation over the course of the next three years. And then there's the hope that it just might level out. Just might just might level out. What a fraud. But here we are. OK, understand on a day where the consumer price index comes through at eight point three percent in August. OK, prices increased by point one percent. So not as bad as we're used to. But the point is they're still going up. And when you talk about core prices. Okay, you're talking about a 6.3% increase from a year ago, which, again, is higher than the 6.1% the forecast came in at from economists. So you understand, if you're a person right now living on a fixed income, you got smoked last month. If you are a poor person, that old Scranton Joe, the Democrats, we're the party of the poor. Democrats are so full of crap. No, the Democrats just destroyed the poor. This bill doesn't help the poor, and they're out there, you know, doing a conga line around the White House. Come on, man. Party. Celebrate good times. Where's cool in the gang? 
probably back on tour because they can't retire and live on a fixed income from all of those royalties uh, because inflation, in the words of Cool and the Gang, is too hot. It's bad right now, okay? I'm going to give you some sound on this. I'm going to give you some numbers on this. But you understand, this is one of those dollar and cent issues. There's a lot going on in politics today. There's Trump stuff going on and, you know, all kinds of stuff about the queen. And we got more ridiculous sound bites out of The View about white supremacy. The View is awful. They really are. But this dollar and cent issue of inflation, of your wallet, is the driver of everything in this country. And I have, man, you have no idea how much empathy I have for the people getting crushed by this because I have been so poor. And I just cannot imagine being in the position that I was in dealing with a spike in goods like this. When you're talking about things like, you know, bread, when you're talking about things like milk, when you're talking about things like gasoline, we're looking at double digit increases in all of them. Okay, the average person, again, look at it at 8.1 percent, forecast an 8.1 percent increase over the course of your salary, over a 100, you know, 100 percent of your salary. The average American is losing one month's pay because of these inflation numbers. Biden sucks. Average family spending about $460 extra a month because of these inflation numbers. Let's go, Brandon. And they're out there doing what? Hooray! We lowered inflation. Stop lying to us. They can't stop lying to us because telling us the truth would get them chased out of town. Let me give you some more stats, old maniacs. The, uh... The core price index, okay, it's up 11.4. The CPI food index, that's what I wanted to read to you. CPI food index is up 11.4%. That is the largest year-over-year increase since May of 1979. So was they're out there today, listen to me. They're taking a victory lap. Like the media shows up. This is one of those events where they show up, Biden gives a speech in the Rose Garden. They all clap. The media is like, look at this. Biden's getting the job done. With the media is a bunch of losers. They really are because they're again, they're helping this guy spike the football. They're helping this guy dump the Gatorade on himself after losing the game. Okay, let me give you a, a morning consult. This is a Scott Brave quote I read this morning that I thought was interesting because I was just just on the way here, I was talking to Charles Payne, the host of Making Money uh, with Charles Payne. We just saw each other. Uh, I was making my little iced coffee before I came down here to do the show. And what Charles Payne added to all of this is that everything we're see- we see in terms of gas prices, Biden you know, dumping our strategic oil reserves in an effort to lower the price, which will help him out in the lead up to the midterms, he said what nobody is factoring in is that If, in fact, we had a hurricane, we haven't had one named storm. If, in fact, we had two or three named storms at this point and something debilitating happened to our oil situation, to the ability of the tankers to get into town, okay, we're looking at 7 or $8 gas like instantaneously because we don't have any strategic oil reserves. You understand the strategic oil reserves is another factor, another caveat to all of this econ analysis that you're getting is gas prices are down a dollar thirty because we basically we didn't increase production, you understand, to drive down the price. We just raided our pantry. But once the pantry has been raided, we have no more strategic oil to use in the event of something debilitating that would stop the production mechanisms in this country. You're talking about an act of God, like a storm. Okay, you're talking about heaven forbid a war or an act of terror. Okay, we are at artificially lowered gas prices. But the bottom line is, okay, in this moment, that 
could drive this up even worse in the blink of an eye. But as it stands, it's already bad. Here's the quote. Today's higher-than-expected CPI reading shows that we still have a long way to go before inflation returns to normal levels. While the recent decline in gas prices has provided a welcome reprieve for consumers, it represents just one part of the larger consumer basket, and prices for much of that basket continue to increase at rates that far exceed incomes. I'm talking about food. Okay, food is up 11.4% last month. Now, listen, that's probably good for me because I'm out of control with the old fork and knife. Put that cookie down now. But if you're genuinely just trying to feed a family a healthy amount of food, this is a really bad problem. Okay, and now we're getting into the offshoots of this, which is that the Fed uh, will probably, okay, announce another rate hike. We're going to talk about this with Brian Brenberg. But you know how the interest rates have spiked multiple points to get inflation under control, they're probably going to spike even higher, you understand, because they need to try to control what has become a runaway problem in this White House, a runaway problem that's not being addressed by the Inflation Reduction Act. The Inflation Reduction Act, just so you understand, we'll play sound bites from the ceremony after they happen today and tomorrow. They're going to be talking to you about climate change. They're going to be talking to you about insulin prices, which, again, I like the idea that they're putting a cap on insulin prices. But if we were going to have an honest conversation, Donald Trump had already put that cap on insulin prices. Biden let it lapse when he took office. And now he's basically just re-signing it and taking the credit. That's true. That is true. It's no different than when they yell about job creation. Oh, we've created more jobs. They haven't created any jobs. All they've done is seen jobs get recovered. Okay, by reopening our economy. Understand when Biden took office, the cruise industry was wasn't open. Okay, people weren't traveling as much on planes. We still had all kinds of lockdowns. People were shut down. Kids weren't going to school as much. Entire sectors of our economy. Broadway wasn't open in New York City. You couldn't go to concerts. People weren't going to ball games. We're talking about industries that employ millions of people had been shut down. Him walking into office, the economy eventually reopening, no thanks to him because he was imposing vaccine mandates and everything in between. But when, yes, the economy finally got back on its natural footing, we're not all the way there yet, jobs came back. But that's not job creation. That's getting back the job you already had. I've made this point a million times. Jenny throws me out of the house tonight because I come home from Fox Business. I'm on Fox Business later. If I come home smelling like cheap tequila, pirate hookers, And she says enough is enough with the cheap tequila. She has a soft spot for pirate hookers. But uh, if she throws me out of the house, okay, and I get invited back in on Friday, it usually takes like three days to get back in. I don't get to call my friends and say, hey, I got a new house because I'm back in the same old house. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. But that's what they're doing. Okay. And never forget that. Okay. Here's Joe Biden clip talking in Boston, Massachusetts about how inflation eased in July. Let me tell you something about his claim that inflation eased in July. That is a lie. If you remember, he gave that big speech where he goes, there was zero inflation in July. What are you talking? Inflation was over eight and a half percent in July. But again, this is a guy who's been in politics, who's been in Washington since Washington, it's like actual George Washington, he gets out in politics as if no one can verify what he's saying. You understand, this is a guy in 1988 that was run out of a presidential campaign for plagiarizing. This has always been a thing for him, okay? But understand, Joe Biden campaigns like nobody outside the room is going to be able to verify what he's saying. Listen to him here taking a victory lap about July 
and talking about gas prices, which, again, have been artificially lowered. We didn't boost production. Yesterday, I played you Janet Yellen clips about how, you know, we're susceptible to a huge spike in gas prices if Putin just decides to say no this winter. No! I'm shutting it off. You don't get any. That could happen. Okay? And understand, that coupled with any demand placed on our, you know, strategic energy reserves puts us in a position where these gas prices are going to double or triple in a minute. The fact remains, for Biden taking a victory lap on gas, it's thirty higher than when he took office. But here he is dumping a Gatorade on himself, clip one. We're seeing hopeful signs of progress on inflation as well. The price of gas, when we said not what I was doing wouldn't make any difference, but guess what? It's down $1.30 since the start of the summer and continues to go down. Inflation eased in July. But the American people should have confidence that we're on the right track. We're seeing real progress. Okay. Are we seeing real progress right now, like when it comes to inflation? Um, let's be honest. That is a fact check false. Okay. People are getting annihilated, and their indifference is disgusting. And again, it's even when they want to claim progress, understand these are the same people that told you it was going to be transitory. This is, this is Biden. Let's start with Biden and Yellen. This is clip seven. I really doubt that we're going to see an inflationary cycle. Our analysis is going to be done by our economic experts. Uh, They continue to convey that uh, they believe the impact will be temporary, transitory. The overwhelming consensus is going to pop up a little bit and then go back down. This is something that will uh, settle down. Transitory. (laughs) Transitory. Over the last couple of months, uh, we actually saw it trended downward. Are higher prices here to stay? I believe it's transitory. We're also working to unstick bottlenecks between the ports and the stores. Inflation has everything to do with the supply chain. I'm going to do everything I can to minimize Putin's price hike here at home. I'm surrounded by idiots. Do you know what every one of those clips has in common, except for the last one about Putin's price hike? They were all over a year and a half ago. Okay, yeah, it's intransitory. It's going away. Inflation's not going to be here. Come on, don't bullshit me. That's exactly what they're doing. And today at the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, they're taking a victory lap celebrating their ability to flat out, as Arnold Schwarzenegger said, bull. That's what they're doing. The Inflation Reduction Act, just maybe 3,528,000 of Joe Biden's lies. White House girls sent Biden to bed early Because he's really old and he's senile He makes up so much crap the country's worried He's lying like it's going out of style You can't hide Joe Biden's lies For a while they made Saki try I thought by now they'd realize There ain't no way to hide Joe Biden's lies
You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword Jimmy. Text now. You'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo X, the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever, with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast. It is absolutely free. Your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword Jimmy. It's 231-231 and you enter the keyword Jimmy. Texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages. Consent not required to purchase. Message and data rates may apply. It is Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 888-788-9910. Are you celebrating the Inflation Reduction Act today uh, with your closest friends? Ever had a big party at the White House? I believe the first 87,000 IRS agents get in free. Uh, and if you're pulling up in a subsidized green vehicle, they probably have some free parking as well. Larry's out in Payne, Colorado. He's not going to the party. Yo, Larry. Hey, how you doing, Jimmy? My man, better now. You know the Fallers love Colorado. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. Our, our best vacation, according to me anyway, is we flew into Denver and drove west to Glenwood Springs and Grand Junction and everything in between and rode a bunch of alpine roller coasters, did some whitewater rafting, and it's a gorgeous state. Uh, and the contact high, it's fun at first, but it does get a little debilitating. Um, no argument from me at all, Jimmy. I've <laughs> been here for 40 years because I fell in love with it. Yeah, a lot of beautiful mountains. Really quick, I wanted to ask you, um, how is inflation impacting you or people around you when it comes to fixed incomes? Well, you know, we get an adjustment in Social Security once a year, but we have to live a year with high inflation before we get the Social Security mm-hmm. um, adjustment. So it's been very difficult. The uh, food prices up 10 or 15% means we don't eat as well. Yeah. That's no, not good. And I probably cut my driving in half to save money. It, it's very difficult. Well, yeah, it's, and, and I really feel for you, man, because I can tell you from my cab driving days, like this would have been a backbreaker. You know, when it comes to the food prices, that might have been a good thing because they keep telling me I'm too fat on TV. Uh, but that that should be my choice. It shouldn't be the president's choice. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Not good, Larry. Um, but no, you make a good point. I appreciate you taking the time to talk about it is I don't think it comes up enough. We talk about the political cost of inflation, but nobody talks about the human cost. So. Listen, when I get out there, I'll be your personal chauffeur. You know, I have a little bit of a background in that, so I'll get you some extra driving, okay? All right. Thank you. Great call, Larry. (laughs) And he he tells it like it is. And now I owe him a ride. Way to go, Jimmy. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
I was on America's Newsroom this morning. If you missed it, we posted it on the Fox Across America Facebook page. That's where I do all my messaging. If you want to see my TV hits or you want to just interact with your radio buddy, go there. If you want to hang out in person, I just posted a Ticketmaster link to see me in Iowa, October 15th, Saturday night. We are at the Bridgeview Center in Ottumwa, Iowa. Come hang out. There are plenty of seats available. For real. In Vegas, sold out two shows in like 30 seconds. Iowa, they were like, never heard of this guy. Who is this? That fat guy that goes on gun? I have no idea. Never heard of him. But uh, there are plenty of tickets available if you want to come hang out in Iowa. Uh, And if you want to watch me again on TV, I am on Gutfeld. Tomorrow night, I will be back on Gutfeld at 11 o'clock. Greg's celebrating a birthday this week, so i got to run out and get him an outfit at Baby Gap. Uh, But right now we're talking not about me and Greg. We're talking about John Fetterman and Dr. Oz. Why? Because the Washington Post, of all people, calling uh, their editorial board anyway for an actual debate and a full release of medical records from John Fetterman. Now, this is a delicate issue. I have a lot of empathy for a guy in John Fetterman's position. The guy had a really debilitating stroke, and it wasn't disclosed at the time. But he also has a pretty heavy-duty heart condition that requires a pacemaker. Coupled that with the fact that the rare public appearances he makes are very brief, and he's having a hard time getting through sentences. And understand, the guy's in a debilitating position in terms of his health. Well, the Washington Post wrote a really scathing op-ed about this and about how his campaign hasn't been transparent with health records, and they themselves are insisting on a debate. Now, the Fetterman thing is very much linked to the Biden thing. And what I mean by that is they don't want to get caught again blindly stumping for their party's candidate only to have him get into office and not be able to do the job. See, when the Washington Post says things like this about Fetterman, they're not looking out for you. They're looking out for them. Bingo. They already got burnt once with Biden. Don't forget, when Biden's approval ratings were around 35 percent a month and a half ago, everybody in the media was saying, ah, he's too old. He's got to go. He's in a state of cognitive decline. We were reading those op-eds. And I said then, what are they doing? They're trying to distance themselves from the unpopular thing they created. They all stumped for Biden. They wouldn't let you question him. They wouldn't let you question his kids' business ties. But when he got into office, okay, and was basically asleep at the wheel, they were like, who the hell elected this guy? Better not let him run again. We couldn't do two of these. And Biden is pushing back against that. That's why they've ramped up his public appearances. This guy has been out. He is, uh, you know, he won't do a sit-down interview. It's been over 210 days. But he gave a speech again yesterday. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did happen, okay? And they're trying to ramp up his appearance schedule and let him get out there and yell about MAGA fascism and everything in between. Because heading into the midterms, the Democrats have made a calculated decision. They can't separate themselves from a historically unpopular president. So they've decided to just tell everybody it's working. Here is Kamala Harris. This is clip six. In 2020, the American people put their trust in Democrats. And over these last 18 months, Democrats have delivered. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. Over these last 18 months, Democrats have delivered big time. Not even close. (laughs) Democrats have delivered big time. (laughs) Kamala's awful with her weird laugh. Just the worst, okay? People understand they are historically unpopular. But they made a decision to try and tell you it's going well. No, no, it's going good. Don't worry about the inflation or the crime of the border. It's going good. The Democrats have delivered big time. What are we talking about? Pizza? What have they delivered? It's a mess. Okay, and the Washington Post sees the same situation coming down the pike. Hey, if we just go out and blindly stump for Fetterman because he's a Democratic candidate, and a minute after he gets into office, we find out the guy just can't do the gig, 
then we look like idiots. And then we lose whatever influence we might need for the much bigger election, which happens to be the 2024 presidency. He knows what he's talking about. That's what we're dealing with here. Okay, it's all strategy. Okay, I'm going to play a little bit of Fetterman. And want you understand, I am not mad at this guy. I do not wish him ill will. I am not happy he finds himself in poor health. Okay, in terms of his policies, yes, it's horrendous. There's a guy that wants to empty all the prisons. That's stupid. Use your common sense. No, no, we'll let the bad guys out. Equity. Yeah, we got to look out for people. Okay, here he is talking about abortion. I mean, there's so much. We'll get rid of the filibuster. Here, let me give you this, Fetterman. It's clip 22. Women are the reason we win. I know this has been said earlier, but I want to say that again. Don't piss women off. This decision should be made up to Dr. Oz or or to a woman and a real doctor to choose. I mean, I I don't know what to tell you there. But here's the thing about abortion and everybody running on it. The reason it's not moving the needle the way they needed to is because they lied about what Roe versus Wade represented. And what I mean by that is when the Dobbs decision struck down Roe versus Wade, the Democrats ran down the street screaming abortion had been banned, you're all going to go to jail if you want an abortion. When the fact remains, all the overturning of Roe versus Wade did was make abortion a state's rights issue meaning each individual state would have its own individual laws, which means the population of each individual state would be able to vote on what kind of abortion laws it wanted. So when they said, oh, this is the death of democracy, the truth is it was the beginning of democracy because we're all going to get to vote on abortion. And yes, states are going to implement restrictions, probably a little more um, conservative than the Democrats want, Okay, because nobody in the world outside of China and North Korea Nobody supports late-term abortion. It's infanticide. If the baby can live outside the mother and you're killing it, that's murder. It's not abortion. It's murder, okay? And understand, okay, these positions they're advocating for are a very radical departure from their previously held positions because what the Democrats like to do, it's a grievance politics now. They're not really talking about the issues. They want to run on the character of their opponent. Okay, so what they do is they put forth an abortion law that's so drastic that they know it's going to be opposed, at which point they can label you an opponent of women, someone who wants to harm women, someone who wants to kill women. What do you mean you can't abort a fifth grader? Come on, who are these Republicans holding back women in the workplace? What is this, the handmaid's tale? That's what they do. And in their bubbles where they only talk to each other, they think – They think they're on solid ground with positions like this. I'm going to give you an example because it was a funny one, okay, over the weekend. I believe it was on MSNBC. Yamishi Alcindor, who is, you know, as good of a Kirby Puckett impersonator as I've ever seen. Okay, they were doing a roundtable on abortion heading into the midterms. Here is Matt Gordon, Matt Gorman, excuse me, on Meet the Press, brought up the fact that abortion is not a top four issue. This is clip 18. I don't think it's an issue in the 2020 at all. I mean, I talk to Republicans every day who see these internal polls. It is not in the top four of issues. Even look at your poll last month. It was 8%. It was under climate change. Don't you think democracy, though, is is sharing some of those? Uh, that the so Those who are concerned about the abortion decision maybe are in the democracy category? I, I don't know how the, the, the question was phrased, but I think with abortion and threats to democracy, we tend to c- connote it with, okay, it's a Democratic base, angry at Trump, mm-hmm. or it's pro-choice, angry at the decision. 
I mean, come on, Chuck Todd. That was embarrassing. So he says, no, abortion's not a top four issue. Chuck Todd goes, but don't you think abortion also falls under the issue of protecting democracy? Ah, no. Okay, that's, again, Chuck Todd shilling a little bit because he knows what's coming from Yamishi Alcindor. Here's her take, clip 19. I can just say that as someone who's been out on the campaign trail, even if you ask a, a voter right now about health care or about the state of democracy, abortion comes up 90 percent of the time. It's, and I think that to say it's not an issue, I think, is very interesting to, to hear, because just as someone who's out there reporting, abortion is absolutely an issue, along with inflation, along with the, stru- the, the issues. It's Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. I mean, really, Yamish. I mean, really think about that. Of course, yes, abortion is an issue. I mean, finding a parking spot is an issue, okay, if you need to get one right now. But when we're talking about what people are going to the polls based on issues, abortion, nowhere near. It's in. It's nowhere near the top four issues. Not even near. It's like top ten. It's behind climate change. Nobody cares about climate change. Yo, if you can't pay bills. If you can't pay for groceries and you're in fear that you might get mugged on the way to the grocery store, at no point do you stop and say to yourself, more importantly, what's the weather going to do 10 years from now? You know those climate gloom and doom people that have been wrong every decade for the last 40 years? It went from we're all going to freeze to we're all going to burn to it's just really weird. Okay, what are they predicting right now? Because we should really prioritize that. And and, and aborting a, a, a child. Three months after he could live outside the mom. I mean, if we could just prioritize that. Forget the groceries and the crime. I'm more worried about that. No, they're not. That's the point. The media's needs, the media's values aren't your values. That's the bigger issue we're dealing with here. I am not upset that John Fetterman is in poor health. Uh, Obviously, he shouldn't do the job if he's incapable of physically doing so. But the bigger issue is they're taking radical positions. And they're trying to run on them, not by selling the position, but by telling the worst of the world, you're some type of, you know, fascist, white supremacist, misogynist, if you don't go along for the ride. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. You're listening to the show that Standard & Poor describes as Standard & Poor. I would say he's incompetent, but I don't want to do that because that's not nice. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. Your main man, Jimmy Fallon. 888-788-9910 if you want to be a part of this shindig. If you missed the opening of the show, Lincoln Fallon's team winning and covering the spread. The Clark Rams off to a 1-0 start. He will join us again this coming Friday to preview Saturday's game. It's kind of inside access. You guys have the highest security clearance anywhere in radio. Like if we were talking audience by audience, show by show, nationally syndicated show. Okay, we are, for all intents and purposes, so excited to talk to this next guest. We've got a big primary up in New Hampshire today. She is, of course, running in the first congressional district of New Hampshire. I don't care about any of this so much as the fact that her family ran an ice cream stand in Atkinson, New Hampshire. And joining me now to talk about that issue and so many more, Caroline Leavitt is here. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Thanks for having me on in the midst of this election day. Well, let me tell you something, Ms. Levitt. 
Okay, when I said, uh, when I heard, okay, there's a lot of things going on in your backstory that I love. We have a lot of mutual friends. I'm very tight with Kaylee McEnany, as you worked with in the White House. And I know Byron Donalds pretty well, who you were out shooting with, apparently. Is that a real thing? Yes, that is correct. Last night we held a uh, machine gun shoot with my good friend, Congressman Byron Donald, my other good friend, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. We had a phenomenal time here in Londonderry, New Hampshire, helping to get out the vote. And today is the big primary day. It all comes down to this. Every vote counts, and we need to flood the polls. The swamp is coming after me uh, pretty significantly. Six million dollars in negative attack ads over the last two weeks, but they're completely backfiring, and voters are here wise in New Hampshire. They know when they're attacking you, it means you're winning. So I have no doubt we're going to prevail this evening. No, I'm, I'm fired up for you, but $6 million coming after you in a congressional seat really is, like, insane. I mean, from what I know of you, you really were working at your family's ice cream shop at one point, which is <laughs> hardly the kind of thing you want to spend $6 million to stop, no? <laughs> yeah, one would think, right? One would think that we should not be taking $6 million bucks that we should be using to beat up my far-left Democrat opponent who holds this seat in the next 48 hours in the general election. But the weak establishment Republicans in D.C. have taken that money to use it against me because they know I will be a threat to the establishment. I will not be controlled by the party bosses. And they have their hand-picked puppet in this race, my opponent named Matt Mowers, who is the chief of staff to Dr. Deborah Burks in the State Department, uh, is now indebted $6 million to Kevin McCarthy in the swamp because that's what they've spent to keep his campaign alive and smear me. But I've been out working him on the ground with voters over the last year. We have a phenomenal grassroots campaign, an extraordinary amount of momentum going into today's race. And I'm just so excited to have everyone flood the polls and reject the swamp here in New Hampshire. We cannot be bought. The seats cannot be bought. Now you're talking. Caroline Levitt is on the phone, if you're just joining us. Uh, she's, of course, a candidate on the ballot today in New Hampshire's first congressional district. What I find fascinating about this race, okay, is you're actually out there standing for something. I've heard you talking a lot about borders and law and order, okay? I feel like what you're up against is just name-calling. It's, you know, you're a threat. We're all a bunch of white supremacists. Is this all they have left in terms of strategy, like they don't want to have the idea debate? Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially, that's what's been happening. You know, we've been getting hit by the Democrats. There were some signs, actually, that went up in our, our district. Tucker Carlson graciously had me on his show to discuss. There were Democrats putting up signs called KKK Caroline, which is just disgusting. You know, that's what they do. They call you a racist because you believe in strong borders. You don't believe in allowing an illegal invasion of our southern border. I've been very clear on the need to shut down the border and demand law and order for our country, for our people. Put the American people first. You know, they're calling me a transphobe and a homophobic because I've been very vocal on the issue um, that I think it's disgusting that men are allowed to compete against women in athletics here in America, come in our bathrooms and, and stay in our prison cells. I mean, that has that's an issue that Congress Republicans need to get serious and tough about the culture war. So that's what the Democrats do. They call you names and they smear you. But it's not just the Democrats attacking me. Right. It's the weak Republicans in Washington, too. All of these people, they just care about party and control, party control and power. And when they have someone who they feel like is going to unequivocally stand up for the people, um, that's a big threat to them. And that's exactly why we're getting attacked by both sides. But frankly, I wear these attacks as a badge of honor 
And we're going to smash expectations and make history tonight because when I'm elected, I will actually be the youngest member of Congress in history, which is exactly why I'm doing this, because my generation needs and deserves a conservative Gen Z voice at the table. Listen, I'm, I'm all the way with you on that. I don't think they understand how many powerful young conservative voices are out there that see through the gimmick of what all of this woke chicanery happens to be. But most people your age do. You know, there's a lot of social pressure to conform and be woke and be stupid and say, yes, men should be swimming against women and everything in between. But I think basic common sense tells us this is wrong. And the fact that you're willing to fight for it, like, honestly, I love your ideas. But again and again, I just want to be clear. I'm a conservative. I love your ideas. But the fact that you worked in your family's ice cream shop, like if we can't support you, who can we support? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. And that's where I became a conservative, Jimmy, growing up scooping ice cream with my mom, mm-hmm. learning very early, you know, free market competition. We were always checking out the uh, one ice cream shop down the street from us, seeing what their prices were, making our prices 10 cents lower to drive customers to our shop. So I learned about the economy so young, working in a small business family and also learning very young that government makes it more difficult for us. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly why I'm running. It's to stand up for the people and get the federal bureaucracy and the BS out of our lives, out of our economy, our education system. We need to ensure state and local control on every issue uh, at every state in this country. And I will certainly be fighting for that for the people of my great home state of New Hampshire. We got faith in you, Caroline Levitt. Uh, we're pumped up tonight. It's the first congressional district of New Hampshire. You are on the ballot. I am. I'm declaring victory for you, but get out there and finish up strong, okay? Thank you. We will. If you're listening, if you're in the first district, please go to the polls today. Let's reject the swamp. Love the polls. Vote Caroline Levitt for Congress. And we'll be having our victory party tonight in Hampton. So I hope to see everyone there. Oh, it's going to be a rowdy night in Hampton. All right, let's go. (laughs) Youngest candidate in Congress. There'll be keg stands. I promise everybody. Get out and vote. You're the best. Be well. Uh, Caroline Levitt, uh, first congressional district of New Hampshire. Everybody listening up there, get moving. We do need someone young and bright who rejects all of the wokeism that they're forcing down young people's throats. Because I don't know if you've looked around and heard, but the God's honest truth is everything woke turns to really does. Live from everywhere, USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go. Here we go. Comedy alive from the greatest country in the world. Getting ready to lace them up for hour number two. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We got an embarrassment of radio riches in this hour. Country music superstar John Rich going to be stopping by. He just filmed a great episode of Tucker Carlson today where he sat down with Tucker Carlson and uh, discussed all things America. His rise to superstardom. The war on the family here in this country and the fact that most of what the Democratic Party is running on right now is they're rooting against the home team. We're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. It's very much what's going on in this moment. Okay, there's so much so much to get to in this hour. Okay, but the one thing I always come back to again and again and again, as I say, the great philosophical divide of our times in this country, is victorhood or victimhood. Victorhood, you can do it. Get out there. Go for it. We're the greatest country in the world. You know, land of opportunity. Make some moves. Come on, dude. You got this. Or victimhood, which is the deck is stacked. 
the rich have all the advantages. The whole country is racist now. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. But it really is true. Like, they're selling defeatism. They're selling grievance. They're selling victimhood in the name of getting votes. But what an awful way to live. You know, one of the things we talked about today in America's Newsroom, I was on with Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino, was the social justice lexicon. There's a Connecticut school. If you're listening in WICH up in Norwich right now, hey, girl, there's a Connecticut school up by you that parents are mad at. Why? Because a teacher uh, at the beginning of the school year passed out a leaflet giving the kids all the social justice terminology they should know to be more inclusive and considerate in the classroom. So terms like, you know, white privilege and privilege and systemic racism and everything. Yo, these are little kids. And we're teaching them to seek out unhappiness. It is a really stupid way to be. The Democrats like it, this level of indoctrination. Why? Because, again, if you can convince everybody that society's out to get them and you're the only one that's going to protect them, then they might, in fact, go out and vote for you. Hey, let's, you know, we need some more government. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Nobody knew that better than Ronald Reagan. He said all the time. When you hear these arguments being put forth by the Democrats that Republicans are authoritarians, first of all, if they were real authoritarians, you wouldn't be criticizing them in a free press. You'd shut your mouth. You'd be meeting in a basement somewhere and being like, yeah, I don't know if I like the guy in charge. You know, but when you're on a platform tweeting to millions of people that the guy in charge is a Nazi, I got to be honest with you, they weren't doing that when real Nazis were in power. Okay, there is no comparison. It is so insulting. It so denigrates the people who suffered under real Nazism, not to mention the heroes who went out and defeated real fascism. Okay, when you make any comparison between what's going on today and what was going on then, but that's been the selling point. That's been the sale, okay, for the Democrats. We're under attack. The democracy's hanging in the balance. You know, they just challenged the 2020 election. How dare they? So what you need to do is elect us, the people who challenged the 2016 election. This is ridiculous. But that's what they're asking for in this moment, okay? They, Trump didn't say the 2020 election was legit. He should die in prison and you should elect us. The people who said the 2016 election wasn't legit. That's what's going on. What the hell is the world coming to? I really don't know. It's fascinating stuff. But, you know, one of the things, one of the constants, okay, if you've been following the Trump thing, okay, is, again, I don't run the Donald Trump radio defense fund. And I always feel the need to issue that qualifier. Because if someone's changing the dial and they're hearing the show for the first time, you know, there is a perception out there that, like, right-wing talk radio just hates liberals. We're out to get you. We want to get you mad all day. And, you know, see, I don't feel like you can bring anybody new into the conversation by adopting that disposition. I don't want to preach to the choir. I don't want to yell at the choir. I want everybody listening to understand it's America, man. We're supposed to be teammates whether you agree with me or not. The whole point of the country is you're allowed to think whatever the hell you want, and I shouldn't want to cancel you, get you fired, or change you out of a restaurant because you disagree with me. But that's where our politics have gotten. There is a perception uh, right now in the, in the Democratic Party that Republicans don't deserve consideration. They don't deserve empathy because Joe Biden called them a bunch of fascists. 
okay, that the fact that they're raiding Donald Trump down in Mar-a-Lago is perfectly acceptable because it's real fascism. You know, we're, we're, our, we're at risk. Our democracy's at risk. Our country's at risk, okay? Uh, how many times can we be told the country's at risk by the guy who opened the border, emptied the prisons, you know, ruined the economy, and gave all the money to Ukraine? It's like, wait, really? I, I do agree that the country's at risk, but I don't really agree that the last guy is the problem, you know? And I'm not saying that to just issue any blanket defense of Trump. Listen, it's very possible Trump had things down at Mar-a-Lago he's not supposed to have, period. It's also possible that the same FBI that fabricated the Russian collusion narrative, that the same FBI that lied on FISA warrants to spy on his campaign, that the same FBI that went out of its way to kill a Hunter Biden story that swung the election, you know, they just might have a little bit of a partisan motive when it comes to this Mar-a-Lago raid. The point is both things can be true. Trump can be wrong and the FBI can be wrong. But when we adopt a us-against-them mentality as Americans, the ultimate casualty here is always America. Look at the quality of life. We just decided an election based not on the quality of life under Donald Trump. Okay, we had the best economy we'd ever seen in our lifetime for low-income Americans, black Americans, single moms. Had never done better in this country than they did under Donald Trump. We had cut the border, illegal border crossings, by 80%. That's significant at a time when we've emboldened cartels, gotten rid of the Remain in Mexico policy, and seen fentanyl deaths become the number one killer for adults in this country. Border security should be the only thing we're talking about right now. Our kids are dying because there isn't any. Kamala Harris said yesterday with a straight face, the border was secure. And what was her rec, ra, you know, rationale for that? Well, it's secure because it's a top priority. <laughs> Listen to this. This is Chuck Todd trying to help her out. He's like, yo, girlfriend, this is not the truth. This is clip 34. Would you call the border secure? The border is secure. But we also have a broken immigration system, in particular over the last four years before we came in, and it needs to be fixed. We're going to have two million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident this border is secure? We have... <laughs> a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. But there are still a lot of problems that we are trying to fix, given the deterioration that happened over the last four years. You don't have a clue. I mean, that's straight clown stuff. Chuck, Chuck Todd, is the border secure? She says it is. He's like, girl. <laughs> Is the border really secure? Two million people are crossing. She shouldn't have said anything. She should have just looked at him, held up the horn, and been like, "That's it. don't even answer. Is the border secure? Yes. I mean, cut straight clown stuff. Okay, the country's really suffering. The overall quality of life under Joe Biden has taken such a precipitous nosedive from where it was, and that should matter. The, the party shouldn't matter. The, the quality of life should I would vote Democrat all day if they were doing a good job and the country was flourishing. I don't care. My loyalty is to the country. My loyalty is to the quality of life for my family and my friends. It's not because I just want to stick it to the people who think differently than I do. I don't care. I can't imagine letting that govern my existence. Nobody. I mean, when you look out at the poor in this country that vote overwhelmingly Democrat, they are voting so aggressively against their own self-interest because the Democrats are like, well, you're poor and everyone hates you, so we'll protect you by making you poorer. I mean, understand, this Inflation Reduction Act, they're celebrating today, 3 p.m. Eastern time at the White House. Okay, it adds 87,000 IRS agents. Who do you think they're going to audit? 
They get audited poor people. You know, when I was driving a cab, I got audited. I've been audited three times in my life, probably going on four, now that everybody knows I work at Fox News. Okay, the audits, when they increase the size of the IRS, always go after the little guy. Why? Because the rich guy can afford accountants and lawyers. The poor and the middle class are audit pinatas. Okay, we don't want any trouble. We're doing, in a lot of instances, our taxes ourselves. So if we make an error, we're like, oh, you got me. Here's the money. Pay up. We're a pinata. You hit us, money flies out. Okay, you hit the rich, an accountant flies out. A lawyer flies out. Much harder to get the money out of them. They sell this narrative that the rich are evil. We got to go get them. Okay, but ultimately, that narrative appeals to poor people. But who actually gets the bill? It is the poor people. Just hold on to your pocketbook. They just put a lien on your money, your savings, and your retirement. Really think about this. They're celebrating at the White House today. Look at all the spending on climate change. Does anybody in a poor community really care about climate change? The answer would be no. It's the ultimate form of white privilege. Ultimate form of white privilege. It's just spectacularly rich people care about climate change, have the luxury of pretending to care what the weather's going to do in 50 years while they all fly around on private jets and ask you to make sacrifices. Again, the poor. That happened last week when California ran out of green energy and Gavin Newsom was like, you got to turn up your thermostats. No air conditioning. He said with a fleece on inside his house. That's just how white folks will do you. The guy's wearing a fleece. Guess what? It's probably pretty cool in the house. That's the scam. That's the scam of right now is there's this political othering going on. That's not based in any type of substance. It's just based in a sensationalist slandering of the people who disagree with Democrats. And it's really dangerous. And it's where we find ourselves when it comes to this Mar-a-Lago raid. So they're going back and forth with the DOJ on appointing a special master. And, you know, they've agreed to one guy. And now the Trump team's got to respond. And, you know, people on the left think this is perfectly normal. We've raided a political opponent for the first time in the 246-year history of the country. No, no, this is a good thing. This is okay because we're mad at those guys. But you understand the casualty is not those guys. The casualty is all of us. If this becomes the norm, and it will become the norm, you have two political powers just endlessly fighting for control of the country, weaponizing the Justice Department against one another, investigation after investigation, all types of ridiculous show trials to slander a party so people get upset at them on the way to the polls. But what has gotten better? Nothing. They're having a pretend celebration at the White House. Okay, the only thing that's gotten more entertaining since Biden took office and the raids went down at Mar-a-Lago last month is the amount of Democrats just absolutely embarrassingly tripping over themselves to try to tell you that this is a good thing. And the reason they probably do believe it, one, is obviously there's a lot of people out there who hate Donald Trump, so they don't have to look inward at the things they hate about themselves. Okay, but two, because they all play the short game. Nobody plays the long game anymore. We need to win today's news cycle. We need to look better than these guys. We need to have those guys on the run today. It's not about solving problems. It's not about improving people's lives. If you're playing the long game, if you're really paying attention, okay, the people who inflicted the Mueller hoax on us for three years are all disqualified from working in intelligence ever again. And every media reporter who stood by night after night and said the walls were closing in is not employable. Okay, but instead, what happened? The Mueller probe fell flat on its face, and they just moved on to the next thing. Well, Michael Avenatti, he slept with a porn star and uh, broke campaign finance laws. Michael Avenatti's going to take him down, said the people who told you Mueller was going to take him down. Well, that didn't happen. What happened next? Michael Cohen, he's going to take him down. He, uh, he's got the dirt on him. He was his lawyer. He's going to take him down. And then that didn't take it down. But they didn't acknowledge it. They were like, Ukraine, this guy, 
He asked for an investigation into the Bidens, who it turns out were a little corrupt. And that's going to take, it didn't take him down. Impeachment won. He's never going to run again. And that didn't take him down. If you're playing the long game, you're just paying attention and asking honest questions. And the honest question to be asked right now when it comes to Mar-a-Lago and all this political othering is how can anybody take these folks on the left seriously ever again? And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. The critics have spoken. You snotty little bastard. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Going to be rapping with John Rich here in a little while, country music superstar. Brian Brenberg, econ professor at the King's College, also stopping by to discuss the victory party being held at the White House today over the Inflation Reduction Act. Does it actually reduce inflation? The answer would be no. It's a dumb time to be alive. Dumb time to be on the radio. Like, I fly into the storm. I enjoy it basically because you guys make it fun. And, you know, I do have a couple of screws loose. Uh, if you want to be a part of this, 888-788-9910. Uh, I wanted to play this clip for you earlier. So Howard Stern, really quickly used to be super relevant. I mean, a monstrous radio career, just tremendous. And he has ultimately become everything he hates. Somebody who, you know, talks down now to the little people. Somebody who became a big person by championing the little people, having weirdos on in the whack pack and everything in between and, you know, always thumbing their nose at the elites and giving their finger to polite society. Well, now he's been rendered so irrelevant by one of his former radio guests, Donald Trump, that he has pivoted to a member of polite society. Now, Trump's a bad guy. Never mind that we hung out on my show for 25 years. No, no, he's a bad guy. He's literally Hitler. What do you mean? He's racist, says Howard Stern, the guy who repeatedly wore blackface on the air in his sketches, wants you to know that the Republicans are the bad guys. But here is Stern trying to glom onto some relevance off the Mar-a-Lago raid, saying he was trying to sell them to Russia or Saudi Arabia. Clip 29. This is a guy who badly wants to do business with Russia and Saudi Arabia. Imagine if he says to him, look, man, let me give me a couple of billion dollars and I'll show you like where France keeps their nuclear weapons. And I'll you know, you guys can see all this if you do business with me. That would be a real dubious kind of horrible thing. And then the third is a straight out. Hey, you guys want to buy this from me? I mean, uh, I could sell it to you, Russia, for like, you know. Fifty billion dollars. This is you'll have. You'll know everyone's nuclear secrets. That was absolutely dreadful. Really tough one. Uh, you know the truth is, it really does burn Howard's balls. Like Howard was a guy who fancied himself as the king of all media. That was his self-proclaimed title. I'm the king of all media, the most relevant celebrity in the world. Nobody knows who he is. He's on Sirius. Nobody's listening. And uh, he's making a ton of money. I'm sure it's great, and I'm happy for the guy. I don't wish him any ill will, obviously. And the times I actually met Howard Stern, he's very cool to me, like for real cool. And I have friends that work over there. But I do think if I was going to psychoanalyze him, it really bothers him that he was such a prominent media figure at one point and really has be, just gotten dwarfed. I mean, Trump's presence in the news cycle has been so omnipotent the last five or six years. As a guy who was a regular guest on Trump's show, I mean, this is, you know, some excuse me on Stern show. This is something that really does bother him. It bothers a lot of celebrities, you know, because understand this. These are all people who hung out with Trump, whether they were going to Celebrity Apprentice, whether they were partying with him down in Mar-a-Lago 
whether he was they were going to his weddings. Like the Clintons went to Donald Trump's wedding. Think about that. Donald Trump used to go on The View all the time. He's been on The View 17 times. Poor guy. But he's been on The View 17 times. Been on Oprah over 20 times. He's been on every daytime talk show in America that now calls him a Nazi. Do you understand? If he's a Nazi, if he's literally Hitler, weren't they 20-year accomplices? I mean, if you're being honest, yes. But in this moment, we're not being honest. They're just, you know, trying to stay relevant by hating him because that's something the media likes to cover. The media props up people who like Trump. They strike down people who don't. And that's why it's hard to have an honest conversation about the substance that lies in between. When Howard Stern says, oh, he'd love to sell this stuff to Saudi Arabia. What are you talking about? Folks, there's no world where you can go sell our nuclear secrets and it not be traced. There's no world where he can go sell somebody else's nuclear secrets and not be traced. The only way you can believe that with a straight face is if you truly believe he's evil purely because you don't want to look inward at just how much you hate yourself. And that's who Howard Stern has become, a self-loathing gazillionaire who can't stand his own existence. Really do appreciate the fact I got some beers. The show is so freaking dumb that my face is or to tears. Cause Whoopie is a moron, and Joy is stupid too. Honey, why don't we turn off the view? So bad it hurts my head And none of this crap is true They say dumb things And they scream Honey, this ain't good Across America with Jimmy Fallon, and yes, I got to play you a quick clip from The View. No, God, no, God, please, no, no, no. I apologize, but Sonny Hostin, we talking earlier about the war on America, all the stupid things being said, all the victimhood. Here is Sonny Hostin on The View, and it's always a stampede of stupidity. Uh, but here's Sonny Hostin saying this country can't have unity. Until we acknowledge 400 years of white supremacy. Okay, first of all, we're 246 years old. Second of all, I got to be honest, man, this is not a white supremacist country. Sonny Hostin herself making millions of dollars to be on TV with another black cast member who's also making tens of millions of dollars to be on TV. We're not a society, if we're white supremacists, that would have any market whatsoever for this type of stuff. Yes, we've had a black president. He won overwhelmingly two times, and he didn't even know what he was doing. 
I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But we're so far past race in this country unless you happen to be a member of the left-wing grievance machine where you just get out of bed to tell everybody that they know better than these right-wing race who just don't care. Like we just – we really don't care. If you ever get out and meet the country as I have, okay, nobody's sitting around talking about race all day. I don't think anybody's been doing that for like 60 years. Like really though. I mean seriously. Welcome to 2022, Sonny Host. And here it is, clip 15. The biggest threat to our country today, says the FBI's director, is white supremacy and domestic terrorism. Merrick Garland said the biggest threat to our democracy is white supremacy and domestic terrorism. How do you come together when it's homegrown terror? And and we have never addressed why there is that issue that remains in this country 400 years later. And until we get to that, until we have accountability, we are not, I don't think, ever going to be able to come uh, close. Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person. Like an actual crazy person. First of all, 400 years. We're 246 years old, okay? If she's just, you know, lumping in colonial times, I'll try to give her the benefit of the doubt. I don't know, you know, just to be nice in the interest of conversation. But when they say, you know, Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland, you know, says parents showing up at school board meetings are domestic terrorists. Okay, there is no comparison between the terrorism that struck this town, this country on 9-11 and somebody yelling at a school board meeting that they don't want a transgender boy using the bathroom with their daughter and raping her is what actually led to Merrick Garland designating parents as domestic terrorists. Okay, if you remember to go all the way back to that story we covered pretty extensively, it's Pride Month at a school. A kid who was already accused, a boy, a biological boy who was already accused of sexually assaulting one girl was allowed to remain in school because they didn't want to upset Pride Month and say, hey, this boy had been suspended for raping a girl in the bathroom. So when a gentleman's daughter was sexually assaulted, as you'd imagine, he was pretty indignant at the school board meeting. Did he punch anybody? No. Did he threaten anybody's life? No. But he did show up and say, hey, this is BS. This shouldn't go on. And parents said, yeah, this is BS. It didn't go on. And then, of course, the Teachers Association crafted a letter with the Department of Justice saying we should refer to these people as domestic terrorists with Merrick Garland dead. But I'm just going to tell you this. What Sonny Hostin said was accurate. Merrick Garland considers parents to be the biggest threat facing this country. You know, white supremacy. Okay, it wasn't white supremacy that ran over 42 people at a Waukesha parade. It was, in fact, a black driver who was posting relentlessly on Facebook that white people needed to die. It wasn't white supremacy that shot up my beloved city of Memphis last week. It was, in fact, a black gunman who had posted extensively on his live stream that white people needed to die. But we don't talk about that because it doesn't fit the narrative. And that's the biggest problem we have right now. So the narrative is more important than the prosperity, than the community, than the people as a whole. So when Sonny Host says, oh, we can't unite, you know, because of 400 years, first of all, again, you're getting the time wrong. But second of all, you're getting the truth wrong. Okay, we're not. I'm just telling you this. If you're a member of a minority community, you probably know this yourself. But, you, you know, society as a whole, like we really just don't care about race. Like so much, like so much so that we now invent forms of racism. Oh, it's cultural appropriation. 
You can't dress up as a Disney princess for Halloween unless you happen to have been a member of that Polynesian race. Like, that's not white supremacy. It's not racism. It's, come on, man, it's just plain stupid. A show so good, it's frightening. I got scared. I dropped my hot pocket. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. I'm up here in New York doing radio, but this next guest has got a rowdy concert coming up tonight down at 3rd and Lindsley down in Nashville. Country music superstar John Rich tailgating joins us now. Hey, man. Hey, Jimmy. How are you? Good. I mean, I, this this far out from a concert, what is the process? Like, you know, in comedy right now, I'd be watching like B-movies in a La Quinta. Uh, what, what are you and Big Kenny doing this far out from Showtime? Well, uh, so this this show is cool because it's in town. It's in our at the town we live in. It's in Nashville. Oh, so uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been cleaning out my truck today, playing with the bulldog puppy, walking <laughs> around pulling out tomato plants because the fall is here. You yep. know, basic right. country stuff. Oh, that's no, it's badass. Well, I, I bring up your country lifestyle because before we get into everything else, I wanted to talk to you about. Me and my wife are in between smokers right now, and I have been praising the egg that you always tout on this show. Uh-huh. Answer me a question: Can I cook four racks of rig, ribs in that big egg that you have? Uh, yes, in the big double XL mm-hmm. green, big green egg. Yes, you can do probably more than that. Oh, get out! Okay, well that matters. Oh yeah, no, you got to get the big one though. It's the double XL. Okay, no, no, this this is important intel right now that I'm bringing home to Jenny Fela because we're back and forth. We have one smoke. We have. One smoker that's world class. It's electric. It's great. It's wonderful. And then we have another one that was a charcoal. But I've been talking about the egg because you got me going on this. You're probably going to destroy my marriage over smoking meat. But what else to destroy a marriage over, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, at least you got good food to talk, you know, to, to, to fight over. So hey, it's not a big deal. I, lo- I love the green egg. I will tell you that, you know, those electric ones, that's cheating. Now, they do pretty much are perfect every time. Yep. But. The green egg. What's cool about that, Jimmy, is you you have to go check on it. You yeah. have to. I, I sit outside. There's nothing better than just yep. zoning out, mm-hmm. watching that smoke go, oh. watching your temperatures, and just knowing here in about three or four hours you're gonna have a big plate of ribs, my friend. Oh, now you're speaking my language. We're talking to country music superstar John Rich, <laughs> who's trying to destroy my diet one radio interview at a time. You know they 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 try to get me in shape, John Rich, because the makeup crew is just tired of using all this concealer on my fat face. So they're probably they're probably upset I have you on the show because you're like you're the biggest enabler I have because we're either talking about your redneck Riviera whiskey or I'm asking you spare rib questions. Well, the, so the whiskey might put weight on you. I don't think eating protein is going to put. I don't think that's what it is. It's the potatoes. It's yep. all the other stuff that we cram down our throats as we're eating those ribs. <laughs> that's what gets us. Just eat the meat, man. You'll be fine. I'm telling you, Dr. Atkins. I'm with John Rich on this one. <laughs> How are you talking? All right. Well, listen, yeah. you've been spot on with all your other analysis. Um, is the border <laughs> secure? Kamala Harris said the border was secure. Uh, two, I think two million crossings would tell you no, and that's just the ones that we can count. Uh-huh. You know what's what's so sad about that um, is the amount of fentanyl in these neighborhoods. I now have two different two different dads that I'm friends with. One of them has a nephew 
that died of a fentanyl overdose and the other one's son died of a fentanyl overdose recently. And what they were buying uh, was one was marijuana. Mm. Like you didn't think it was a big deal. He yep. went and got some idiot had, had laced it with fentanyl. And, the, and then the other one was a pain pill Ugh. that had fentanyl in it. And so when you see the amount, the tonnage of fentanyl, let's just start there mm-hmm. coming across our border, killing all, killing our young people, killing all kinds of people. Isn't that reason enough to completely shut it down? Of course it is. It's interesting, though, why why they won't shut it down. All those steel beams and steel sections mm-hmm. that Trump had laid out to finish the wall, they're still down there. Yeah, You've seen the pictures. They're just piled up, just sitting there waiting for a welder to show up and put them all together. So why are they why are they leaving it open? I, I think the answer is not a good answer. Yeah. Uh, and for her to say the border is secure, it's don't don't believe your lying eyes. I mean, we're all sitting here looking at it. It's like, hey, inflation inflation's not a big deal. That's a big deal to us. Well, the borders the borders closed. No, it's not. I mean, it's they live in an alternate universe. I think they think if they just keep saying it enough times in a row, they'll mesmerize us into into believing it. But they're about to find out. Here in about 55 days uh, that America is awake to what they're doing. Gosh, I really hope so. We're talking to the great John Rich uh, because her defense, it was really funny. But, you know, Chuck Todd on Meet the Press, who is absolutely as far in the tank for the Democrats as you can go, you know, scraping the bottom of that tank, actually did say to her, hey, if two million people are crossing the border, how can you say it's secure? Her answer was, well, it's secure in the fact that it's a priority for us. It's a top priority for us. But like that doesn't constitute security. Like by that metric, I could claim that I slept with Cindy Crawford since it was a top priority my senior year of high school. But it didn't actually happen, unfortunately, John Rich. So I think you're right when you say there's an alternative universe thing going on here. But I bring that up with alternative universe because another thing that's getting a big push today, and I saw this in your Twitter feed, is you basically said thanks but no thanks when it comes to these annual COVID booster shots. They were shaming the pants off of people who didn't want the vaccine, let alone the booster. And they've been proven wrong on just about everything, but they don't seem to be owning any of it. Uh, You're right. There's another case where I think the vast majority of of Americans, whether they're vaxxed or unvaxxed, have had a chance to see the results of these vaccines. Number one, they don't work. You still get COVID. Uh, Number two, there's all kinds of people experiencing adverse reactions to these vaccines. Go, go uh, Google sometime the phrase suddenly died. Mm-hmm. Go Google those two words, suddenly died or died suddenly. And you will start seeing thousands and thousands of people in the prime of their life dropping dead after a marathon, dropping dead on a soccer field, dropping dead on a basketball court, uh, on and on and on. And listen, what's the correlation between the two? Well, so far, nobody's come out and told us exactly what it is, because I think everybody's scared to death as to what the real answer is. But to keep pushing this on us and thinking we're going to take it now, it's just not going to happen. And, and, in, and in, that, in that case, Jimmy, mm-hmm. it is a good thing that America's finally waking up. The, the, the real question is how much damage has been done since they started pushing these experimental jabs on our country? That's the big question. And it's honestly, it's a scary thing. I have family members dealing with all kinds of issues right now since they've had had the jab. And it is no laughing matter. No, it's not. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say people won't be getting free boosters if they show up to third and Lindsley tonight. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, uh, that, that's a fact. This is a big and rich show tonight in Nashville, Third and Lindsay. It's a, it's a pretty small place. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't we don't generally play small places, yeah. but it's our hometown. We got a lot of friends coming. So, listen, go live your life. Be be a free thinker, even if they say it's a mandate. Mm-hmm. You have to do it. No, you don't. This is America, and the only time they're going to stop is when we say, "Yeah, or what." <laughs> the or what is where we have to be standing on. Oh yeah, you're going to make me. Or what? You got to go back to third grade playground. Yeah, or what? What are you going to do about it? Well, you come to find out they're not going to do anything about it. They're just bullies, and they'll push you as far as they can. Now, it's a really great point, man. And listen, I, I'm, I'm fired up uh, to have you on today. I heard about your show. It's funny because one of my buddies down in Nashville had brought it up earlier in the day. Like, hey, you know John Rich. You going to the show? And I said, no, because I have somewhere to be on Saturday. And uh, I can't hang out with you unless my calendar is clear for like five days. So no chance. But I got faith yeah, in we, you. Well, we do. But we do have a nurse on site with a dialysis machine, Jimmy. So you would probably be OK. <laughs> it's going to need more than one nurse the way you guys party. Uh, I'm pumped up, man. Everybody should get down there if they've got a chance. And they should watch. By the way, I have to commend this. Uh, you're, the thing you shot with Tucker on Tucker Carlson today really was yeah. fantastic. And me and Tucker, you know, I, I do a show, you know, here and there quite a bit. And I was just on his game show Friday, and I do believe one of the judges uh, wronged me. They called me for an early buzzer on what should have been a game-winning answer. But I, as a, a professional, I still have to put my gripe with the judges aside and commend you both. That was some fantastic TV. It's on Fox Nation, right? Yeah, it's on Fox Nation. Uh, man, we talked for 90 minutes. I think I think those are normally 45 minutes to an yep. hour. And he just kept asking questions, and I kept telling him the story and kind of my stance mm-hmm. in this country. You know, I'm part yep. of the entertainment industry. I do not bend the knee. I will not play their stupid games. And I still put out music, and I still score number one positions on the charts, like Progress, yep. my last song that came out. Mm-hmm. And Tucker just found that to be really inspiring. Yes. That, that you could still win, you could still compete at the highest level without bending the knee. So I, I owe him uh, much gratitude for giving me that kind of a platform. It was a great chat. Yeah, it was amazing. And nobody enjoys giving the establishment the middle finger more than Tucker. So it was really <laughs> good. It really was. Yeah. It's basically a 90-minute middle finger. <laughs> we have a lot in common, yes. But, you know, one thing yeah. I like about Tucker uh-huh. is that cackling hyena laugh that he gets because he's just mocking them. Yes. When it's kind of like libs of TikTok mocks them. <laughs> you know, you don't even have to call them out. Just use their own words, and it's so ridiculous. If you're really being honest, you'll just start laughing at the top of your lungs. And I love it when he does that. No, it's true. It is. It's so funny. And then they get mad. But like you just said, it's their words. It's like they're calling us. It's like, oh, this is a hate. This is hate speech by the right. What do you mean? They're your words. But yes, I'm, we got to hang up before we're both doing a hyena laugh. Uh, this was great. Have it. a great show tonight. I'm going to buy an egg and I'll report back to you. All right. Thanks, Brother Jimmy. You're the man, John Rich. See you soon. There he goes. The great John Rich, who does uh, embody a walking, talking, living, breathing middle finger to the establishment everywhere he goes. We need more people like that because I'm telling you, your freedoms really are under attack. I'm not like a militant radio host. They're trampling every right we have right now and telling you the other side happens to be the authoritarians. Really think about that. No, they're authoritarians, said the people who fired you from your job if you didn't get the vaccine you didn't want. It's bananas. There's never been a dumber time to be alive. We will wisen it up, though, in the next hour with Brian Brenberg. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
Oh, here we go. We are lacing them up for a very big hour of Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. We've got Brian Brenberg, who is an econ professor at the King's College, a Fox News contributor, a guy who understands how the economy works, and he is going to take us inside the big celebration at the White House. They're having a celebration at 3 p.m. Eastern time today where the president will take a victory lap for an Inflation Reduction Act. The question being asked right now is, does it reduce inflation? Not even close! But they're out there anyway, spiking the football on the White House lawn, Joe Biden. Don't you have any respect for yourself? The answer is no. Uh, We'll get into it at 888-788-9910. The reason this show works really quickly, I say this a lot, it always sounds like, who's this guy, this self-congratulatory guy telling you how his show works? The show doesn't work because I know what I'm doing, so calm down. The show works because we have a lot of brilliant people like yourself, force multipliers of positive energy that just want to have rational discussions about issues facing the country. The show works not because I'm the star, the guy with no formal broadcast training, but because you are. It's our show. It's a collective That prioritizes the greater good. We focus on issues that actually affect people. We don't do a lot of sensationalist stuff. Well, this guy said this and this guy said that. Yo, if it doesn't affect you physically, economically, I don't care. I really don't. We don't do as much sensationalism as most shows, okay? The sensationalism is me. The fact that there's this ridiculous person who went to community college and plays video games in his 40s and learned most of what he knows about the world from driving a taxi, this is unique. It's an outlier. If you look out at the radio landscape in this day and age, uh, there's not a lot of cab drivers on the air right now. I'm not going to lie. But the whole hook is when it comes to politics, I am so keenly aware. I always say I own a politics to English dictionary. And they can say one thing and I can put it into plain English for you and me to understand. That's the superpower of the show. Okay. And right now there is this effort being made. We're 55 days from the midterms. There's this really shameless effort being made to sell you a success on behalf of the Democratic Party at a time when every single one of us knows that they're losing. I agree with that. Okay, this Washington Post headline, I want to read it because it's just going to filter into the conversation we'll have with Brian Brenberg. Okay, the Washington Post has a headline. It says, Americans are finally feeling better about the economy. You're not telling me the truth. They basically go on to admit in the article that they're not telling you the truth. But the headline is Americans are finally feeling better about the economy. The subheadline reads gas prices are falling and there are signs. There are signs that households are learning to deal with inflation, which, again, is weapons grade stupid. People are not learning to deal with it. They're being crushed. Oh, they're learning to deal with inflation. You know, that sounds like, okay, we're making this work for us. No, they're going without Okay, we took a brilliant call earlier in the show from Colorado about how, you know, you drive less, you eat less, you spend less because you can't afford more. Okay, the average family is now shelling out an extra $460 a month. $460 a month. This could be a problem. It's a huge, it's a huge problem. Okay. And rather than acknowledging this as a problem, rather than acknowledging that the economy is, you know, really forcing major sacrifices out of the poor, out of people on fixed incomes, 
They're trying to highlight the fact that, oh, but people are getting so much more resourceful. What do you mean? That's not a win. Look, because of this inflation, we have more single moms than ever selling pictures of their butt on OnlyFans. Oh, yes. I've read about that in the Bible. Like, it's not actually a good thing. Like, I could read you some quotes, okay? That's fascinating. You know, gas prices, which peaked at $5 in June, are down to three seventy-four. That 25% drop has been substantial for many Americans, particularly those in lower-income households where gas costs make up a large share of weekly expenses. But do you understand? It's still a dollar thirty more than when they took office, meaning the average person still paying a lot more because of Biden. Correct the mundo. You can't tell me this is a win. Yeah, we set your house on fire. But look at it on the bright side. You're not spending as much money on air conditioning. You don't pay the cable bill now that the house burnt down. I mean, things are working out, right? I mean, look at this. Okay, this is what's happening. It's so crazy. Janet Yellen, this is everything you need to know about the economy. Okay, I made this point yesterday. Hope is not a strategy. You've probably heard that in your line of work at one time or another from a boss who actually had productivity in mind. I remember the first time I heard the phrase, I was writing for a show on Fox Business here uh, in, on the Fox platform. I was writing for Kennedy. And I remember we we're you know, a few minutes from showtime. And Vic, the EP, he's a guy I'm great friends with, had asked, you know, where was this video we're looking for? Well, we hope to have it in five minutes. And he was like, yeah, hope is not a strategy. We need the damn video. Go get it done. Well, here is Janet Yellen, okay, telling us flat out we're going to need a lot of luck and hopefully it'll bring inflation down. This is clip three. Of course, it's a concern. The Fed is going to need great skill and also some good luck to achieve what we sometimes call a soft landing, which is bringing inflation down while maintaining the strength of the labor market. And um, my hope, I believe there is a path to accomplishing that. And my hope is that we will achieve a soft landing, but Americans know that it's essential to bring inflation down. And over the longer run, we can't have a strong labor market without inflation under control. I got a bad feeling about this. Yeah, I do not want to hear from the woman in charge of our economy that we're going to need a lot of luck. (laughs) Understand. Biden is getting out there at 3 o'clock today, 3 o'clock Eastern time, taking a victory lap for passing the Inflation Reduction Act, trying to tout the many successes of our economy. The woman in charge of it, Janet Yellen, flat out saying, we're going to need a lot of luck if we want to bring inflation down. You know what else that means? That means this bill they just passed does nothing to reduce inflation that's true that is true nothing zero zip zilch nothing the inflation reduction act is a climate change bill nobody cares about climate change nobody nobody cares like eight white people who have a lot of money that they care because they feel better it's white guilt that's what happens the reason celebrities glom on to climate change i want you to understand this i'll let you all the way in i tell you guys everything here's everything you need to know when it comes to climate change okay people who like harrison ford would be a good example Okay, he's always speaking out about climate change. We did a story last week where we found out what? That Harrison Ford, who told us the end is near, we're all going to die. How do you look your children in the face and say everything's okay? Everything's not okay. That's what he said. Everything's not okay. And then what did we find out? 
he emits a bigger carbon footprint with all of his private jets than a million Americans combined. Oh, wow! Harrison Ford does more climate damage than the, the your closest one million friends. Okay? Harrison Ford. But he gets on TV and is like, oh, we got to do something about climate change. Now, why is he doing that? Because they feel an enormous sense of guilt based on the level of prosperity they have attained. It happens to anyone who is successful, okay? I am like 10th tier famous. Like I get recognized everywhere I go, but it doesn't mean anyone in the world knows who I am. It means people who watch Fox know who I am. But if you get off the platform, like the whole world doesn't know who I am. They know who Harrison Ford is. And the reason I'm making the comparison is because me, in my mid-level 10th tier fame, I feel you cannot imagine the overwhelming sense of guilt I feel to be sitting here broadcasting to millions of people. Tomorrow night I'll be on Gutfeld. It's the number one late night show in America. It's a really big deal. And to the version of me that was driving a cab just a short while ago, you just, this, you know, I always wanted to do this. I worked my ass off to get here. I, you could not argue that I don't deserve it based on the work I put in. Oh, my God, it took me like 20 years. And I mean, really busted my ass. You know, working like three jobs at once in showbiz and driving a cab and doing stand-up. I don't feel guilt about getting here. Okay, but once you're here and your life is actually pretty pretty dang cool, you do feel guilty. Like I always tell you when I get in a cab, I feel a survivor's guilt as a former cab driver. I am tipping drivers to the point that they think I'm romantically interested in them. There's like a line of Uber drivers lined up outside my house. Like, I thought we had something. You gave me like $50 on a $20 fare. I thought I was coming upstairs. And I'm like, yeah, take a number, Tony. There's a lot of guys out there that were let on in the same way, and I'm sorry. And I understand for these celebrities that feel that guilt. If you're Harrison Ford, he flies pretend spaceships for a living. That's what he does. That's what he's famous for. He's Indiana Jones. He's pretend rescuing the lost Ark of the Covenant. Okay, it's good gig. Okay, that's who he is. He's Han Solo. Good gig. He's hanging out with pretend Wookiees all day for $30 million a movie. You feel guilty having a life that good. So they all glom on to climate change because it's the ultimate cause. They're not just, like, helping one sickness. They're not just helping one underprivileged you know, class of people. They're saving the planet. That's what they believe. They're crazy. Now, understand this. Okay, they don't actually do the work of saving the planet. They keep on polluting by a margin of one million compared to you. Harrison Ford's carbon footprint is a million times bigger than yours. Yet he gets out there with a straight face every day and says, we got to save the planet. Whoa, come on now. And why does he do that? They're not interested in altering their lifestyle to accommodate green energy. What they've convinced themselves of is that if they get enough people to alter their lifestyles, it'll offset the damage that the celebrity preacher himself is doing. Oh, wow! And that's where climate change comes into focus, okay? None of these people are sacrificing. None of these people have any interest in sacrificing. What they want to do is preach this gospel far and wide so enough people will sacrifice that they can feel better about their own sins and they can somehow make peace and balance the guilt they feel in living the prosperous life that they have. Trust me, 
If you make $30 million a movie for pretending to be a superhero, you do feel guilty if you have any conscience whatsoever. When you look out at the world at all the suffering and all the afflictions and all the indignities and handicaps and disease on the planet that people suffer through no fault of their own, if you have any conscience whatsoever, you say to yourself, God, I, you know, that, why me? I don't deserve this. I feel terrible. You know, I feel so bad. And trust me, they do. And that's where climate change becomes this religious thing. It's not there to save the world. It's there to convince them that they can save themselves from this guilt that they feel. But when it comes to their own personal inner you know, tumult, there's no reason the rest of us should be paying the bill. But what Janet Yellen is flat out admitting is that we probably are going to pay the bill. Here she is saying, you know, inflation's probably going to spike again this winter. Clip five. Well, it's a risk. And it's a risk that um, we're working on the price cap to try to address. Um, this winter, uh, the European Union will uh, cease, uh, for the most part, buying Russian oil. And in addition, they will ban the provision of services um, that enable Russia to ship oil by tanker. And it is possible that that could cause a spike in oil prices. I mean, not good. Okay. She's flat out. The the woman who told you, well, we're going to need a lot of luck. Well, hopefully, you know, inflation, Putin. Get her out. Get her out of here. Terrible. Okay. And send this Washington Post writer with her. Washington Post writer, in this piece that's titled Americans are finally feeling better about the economy. No, they're not. You know what the number one issue, the number one issue heading into the midterms is? Are you ready? It's the economy. Correct the mundo. They're not. If it's they're feeling better, it's not the number one issue. Do you understand what this article does? This is why people hate the media. It's so true, man, because they're activists masquerading as journalists. This is an article. Again, with the title, Americans are finally feeling better about the economy. And the article goes on to explain the reason we know that. Okay, understand. Understand the reason we know they're feeling better about the economy is look at this gentleman we interviewed in Omaha who says he's feeling better about the economy now that filling up his Honda costs 65 instead of 95 Okay, that is good news. And says, for a long time, I was, I was making sure I wasn't just indiscriminately filling up my cart at the grocery store. But now a lot of that behavior has loosened up. When gas went back to three fifty a gallon, suddenly it was like, oh, we now we know how to make this work. Things are going to be okay. And she's quoting this guy who's saying, you know, he's spending money a little bit less carefully. Okay, but that means he's okay. What about all the people who aren't okay? What about all the people who made this the number one issue? Okay, for me, thankfully, I'm lucky enough to be getting by right now. But if I was in the position of driving a cab, I really would be, I don't know what, to make money. You know, I talked earlier about moms selling their butts on OnlyFans, you know, that we're living in the golden age of naked women on the Internet for pay. That's certainly a thing. Hubba, hubba. Okay, but I don't really have that option. You know what I'm saying? I'm not in that kind of shape. So what about the people, Janet Yellen, who don't have a big following on only uh, only fans? Do the Democrats have an answer for them? The answer would be no. Taking the edge off one story at a time. America needs to learn how to lighten up. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Oh, girl, it is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. 
somebody you can come hang out with. October the 15th, we will be at the Bridgeview Center in Ottumwa, Iowa. Tickets available for that at Ticketmaster.com. I have to promote this three times a day until the gig itself, or they're allowed to come to my house and shoot my dog. It's a very strict contract. Vegas, by the way, it's just about sold out. So shout out to everybody in Vegas coming to see that one. And uh, the hot rumor. So we could be adding uh, a wild show down in uh, Oklahoma uh, early October. So if you're listening on KRMG, if you're listening on the Eagle, just be on the lookout. You might have a chance to hang with your radio buddy uh, here in a short while. That's all in progress right now. Uh, tomorrow night on the TV side, I'll be on Gutfeld with our little lovable comedy dwarf, Greg Gutfeld. Hope you can check that out as well. Uh, but right now, it is you and me time. One other thing I wanted to throw at you, because this is fascinating. Okay, we have this montage, man. We always cut all these wild montages of, you know, things that were said in the past. So inflation came in today, key number being 8.3%, higher than estimated. Okay, but here is every one of these Democrats. Now that inflation has been here for over 18 straight months, here's them way back at the beginning telling us it was transitory. Clip eight. Our economists have conveyed that uh, they feel that the impact uh, of our proposals will be transitory. All of the economists uh, that the president has been relying on suggest that there is a transitory nature, nature to the inflation uh, problem. Economists call all these things transitory effects. This inflation uh, that we're experiencing is transitory. It is not going to be here long. We've had several months of high inflation that... Um, most economists, including me, believe will be transitory. We don't expect that those uh, that, that upward pressure will produce uh, substantially higher prices or that the effects will be persistent. We expect that they'll be transitory or temporary. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire inside a train wreck. I mean, really think about that. They were all, oh, it's going to be transitory. All the economic experts, I'm an expert, understand that we got this under control. <laughs> They have no idea what they're doing. They're trying to win the news cycle. They were saying it would be transitory back then because they were just trying to minimize the impact on the Democratic Party in that day's news cycle. Like I said, nobody plays the long game. So the problem just keeps getting worse while they try to look good on CNN. But nobody was buying it. And this is why we can't have nice things. They're playing The Promise by When in Rome. i got to be honest. I don't know that anyone has kept their promise since getting to Washington as a part of this administration. We've had a lot of broken promises. They're taking a victory lap on the White House lawn today over a, an Inflation Reduction Act that lowers inflation the way gasoline lowers a fire. I'm not happy. I brought in backup, though. Kind of hold me in check. Working the shock collar that Fox has affixed to my neck. An econ professor at the King's College, superstar Fox News contributor, Brian Brenberg, back in the house. I'm hey, man. a little Fleetwood Mac here. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little. Isn't <laughs> that what we're talking about? That is, here? I think, the Biden campaign song. <laughs> Just tell me lies. I mean, Clinton what, had, what did he have? Don't Stop Believing or, yes, or, or yes. something or something like well, that. Well, Clinton's first campaign was Don't Stop Believing. Yeah. The second was Have a Cigar by Pink Floyd. <laughs> Good night, everybody. There he goes. There it is. Boom! Don't stop, don't stop thinking about tomorrow. I don't, can't bring Journey down. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. Stop no, that was that. Don't stop thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Don't stop believing was Journey. That okay. was actually the finale, the song they play for the end of The Sopranos. 
when Tony Soprano, you don't even have to have seen it, but what they did to jack up for you listeners who might not have seen it, is Tony Soprano's like eating onion rings with his family, Don't Stop Believing is on, and there's a bunch of ominous people walking by like, are they going to shoot Tony Soprano? And then they just cut to the credits. They don't give you an ending. It was kind of a cop-out, you know what I mean? (laughs) And I just wish with this White House inflation, they would just cut to the credits. No one should have to watch this scene today. It's 3 o'clock. Just yes or no, Brian Bremberg. Does the Inflation Reduction Act (laughs) reduce inflation? It is kind of like they're at the credits right now because you're watching for something interesting to come up when all the names are rolling. And all we keep seeing is the same thing we saw the whole movie, more and more inflation. Yes. I mean, can you believe – I just – I actually didn't even know they were doing the Inflation Reduction Act unveiled today. today. Like uh, I, on the day sorry, I'm not up on the political yeah, you know, yeah. drama or whatever, however uh-huh. they want to soap opera this thing. But I mean, it, I mean, and, and they just stepped in it because yep. the report they got today tells us exactly what's actually happening in this country, which is everybody thought this was a gas and oil story in the summer. You know, mm-hmm. you went from saying – there's no inflation problem to its transitory to, well, it's just a gas and oil problem. And now you get today's report and what you find out is, uh-uh, yeah. it's an everything problem. Everything. Core goods, food, stuff like Core that. Core goods, baby. Who would have known the secret to me finally getting in shape would be Joe Biden's economy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I Finally. It's through no doing of my own, I'm going to get in shape. See, hey, I can't afford goods. This All you can crazy. afford is a jump rope and some tires in the front yard to run through. <laughs> You know, remember those tires in the front yard? It reminds me of those Al-Qaeda training videos. Se- <laughs> yeah, I saw right. Seinfeld did this great bit about that. I saw Seinfeld one night, and he was talking about how they used to still, like Al-Qaeda, they'd have that stock video everyone showed where they're doing the monkey bars. It's like, I don't understand why the monkey bars were such a key component to terrorist training. But if you can get down a slide and run through a couple of tires, you're hired. <laughs> Yeah, the Al-Qaeda, they're not sending their best people, no, is no, the no, point. No. Brian Brenberg's in studio. He is the best we have, the pride of the fleet. His Minnesota Vikings riding high at 1-0, by the way. Yes, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I went into that game telling everyone low expectations here. It's going to be a slow start. And then, whoa, they hey. come out 23-7, to I think. They yeah. beat the Packers. Aaron Rodgers kind of looks like one of those guys from the training. Used to look like one of those guys from the terrorist training. I guess he yeah. got a haircut He's got a weird Sunday. look, Aaron Rodgers, but he has no receivers because he glommed up all the salary cap money. That's that's right. Yeah. yeah. Classic story. They got a great quarterback and he's thrown to a bunch of, you know, traffic cones See, out on the side. Seen better hands on a <laughs> clock. You know what I mean? What's going on here? I got a million of them. No, it was terrible. I was I was really happy for you. I thought he had. The Giants won, too, though. You know, it's really funny. The New York Giants won a season opener and it's a game they've lost. What I mean is the fat the way the game ended. That's a game they've they've made an art form of losing, which is they take they go ahead with like less than a minute to go yeah. in a game and then let up an immediately like 30 yard completion in a walk off field. Goal. I'm like, what just happened? You know what I mean? They, right. Yeah, we were all getting ready to pop the champagne, and they're like, I'm going to need some receipts for this stuff. Uh, and, and away they went. But, yeah, they wound up winning the game on a missed field goal. Missed field goals were a hallmark of week one of the NFL. Yeah. No one could kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. The Bill Hemmer's Bengals missed an extra point. It was blocked, which would have beaten Lincoln Steelers. Then they missed a field goal in overtime. Mm-hmm. And McPherson's like the best kicker in the NFL. Yeah. Couldn't hit one. Special Last, teams. Thank you. Last night, the Seahawks attempt a 64-yarder to win it. Uh, had plenty of leg, but didn't kick it either. 64 the, the Bronco, It was the Broncos who attempted it against the Seahawks. Right. That's the stuff Mikey fact checks. That's right. Look at him. He's in there right now. He's doing it. If I mean, you were in he's studio, holding up a red flag. He's like, you got all of those stats if, wrong, if, by the if way. If you were in studio and I, I was calling you Brian Wilson for an hour, <laughs> you might not get a word out Wouldn't of it be nice, though? Wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> there it is in the Beach Boys reference to pull it together. So let's talk about this, okay? The basic 
achievements they're touting today at the White House are not inflation reduction. It's, you know, electric vehicles, you know, all the climate subsidies. But on a basic level, it's not economics. If if climate change was as important as they're telling us it is, wouldn't they have called it the climate change bill? Well, yeah, because that at least is aiming at what they think they're doing something about. But if climate change was really as big of a crisis as they say, whatever they're doing now with this $500 billion bill is so laughably insignificant. You know they're not serious about this because if the problem was that big, there's only one thing they'd be talking about all the time, and that's not what they're doing. This, This is so weird, but it's sort of just this weird religious sort of virtue yes. signaling. It's just, it's just religion. Like you got to genuflect a certain way. Uh-huh. You got, you, you got to grab this water and say these words and, and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and then they'll let you be the priest for a, another four years or something. That's what this is. And the one thing about climate change religion is there is always a collection plate. <laughs> Please give us money. Always, always a, pl- a collection plate going around. Always, girl. No, it, it's, it, it's for sure. You got to you got to give here and you got to sacrifice. <laughs> you got to sacrifice there and you got to keep them on the altar. Yeah, right. That's it. Well, this is my theory. Brian Brenberg is in studio. I've been making this all over the, the Fox platform. I believe a lot of celebrities are gravitate towards climate change because you do feel a sense of guilt if your life is that prosperous. Yeah. And I think one of the ways you kind of, you know, deal with it is by saying, well, I am saving the planet, though. Yes, I get right. paid to pretend to be a spaceship pilot for a living. <laughs> you know, I'm out running fake boulders. But really, <laughs> I am kind of one because I'm saving the yeah. planet. At my core, though, I've convinced a million people to cut back on their emissions from here in my jet. I've been <laughs> tweeting up here in my jet. We have the Wi-Fi package. And I get that. They their sacrifice will offset my sins. I think that's how this flock works. Yeah, you, it's a it's a pyramid scheme. But this is what's interesting. So you made a brilliant point, though, because when you said, you know, it's not a serious measure, meaning the money they're spending, mm-hmm. what it makes me believe, and maybe I'm right, is that they're not. You know, we don't think they're serious about fighting climate change anyway because of what we said, the hypocrisy, and that none of them are fighting it. Yeah. But I guess they just need to make enough of a commitment to keep the people who do prioritize this as an issue voting for them. Yeah, you've you've got to put enough skin in the game. You yeah. got to show enough yeah, yeah. that people say, "Ah, oh, you must really believe it if you're saying that." Yeah. But you know what's so sad about this? Because you know, sometimes if you're opposed to all this climate spending, people say, "Well, you just don't care about the environment." And it's just not true. Actually, yeah. the vast majority of Americans would love to see the environment cleaned up. And they would like more efficient fuels. They'd like better technology that's cheaper and better for the environment. But they, they live in reality, and they just know you get there over the course of time. It's incremental. Through, through increments, and, and so there's no ribbon cutting. Do you yeah. see that? Innovation isn't about a lot of big ribbon cuttings. It's about a lot of little things that work together over time. Uh-huh. That's where most of America is. If you get people to actually pitch that on the stump, mm-hmm. I think you could bring together a lot of America. But the problem is too many people have their identity wrapped up in this. Yep. It's, it's not what they want to do. It's who they think they are, and that's that, a problem. That's a great point. And part of who they think they are is the good guy. Yeah. You know? So you have to sell this absolutism on climate change because that allows them to declare us the bad guy. you got to have somebody who's unpure, impure, mm-hmm. in order for you to be pure. It's all the movie Scarface. When Tony Montana stands up in Scarface, he lectures the crowd. He's drunk at a restaurant, probably hopped up on cocaine, too. He was, he was seen with the 86 Mets shortly before the scene. <laughs> but he stands up and he says to the crowd, he's like, you need people like me so you can wave your finger and say that's the bad guy. And that's basically what climate change is. You need people like me so you can wave 
wave your finger out your private jet and say that's the bad guy. And that's what's going on. It that's is. all it is. It, it, you just got to find your bad guy. Who, and the bad guys out there, by the way, just, just to put a point, I mean, the, the bad guys out there are actually the ones who know more about the environment than anybody sitting in L.A. Because so they're, they're in it. They, they cultivate it. They use it. They, they, in a sustainable way, by the way. Yeah. Th- those are the guys out in middle of America, and, and they're the bad guys Think in about this story. This is the craziest part of the whole thing. Since pulling out of the Paris Climate Change Agreement, we've cut emissions every year. Yeah. That was a non-binding symbolic thing. Um, you know, we are, just, just based on progress and technology, reducing emissions because we're doing things more efficiently. But when it comes to fuel, which is so fascinating, is we're burning it cleaner here. So if we're like, well, we're not going to produce it here. We'll get it somewhere else. This is the mafia. We're just cutting a check to not get our hands dirty because the somebody else producing it for us is producing it filthier. Yes. It, you know, it's so funny. So I got, I'm, I'm giving a talk to some students later this week, and, and I'm taking them through all the supposed crises in our lifetime that mm-hmm. were announced. You go back to the late 70s, and you have Jimmy Carter up there saying there is no possible way by the early 1980s we're going to have enough oil in the world to power our economies. And so he wants to declare a crisis about oil in 1977. Wow. And the problem today isn't that we don't have – got plenty of it. The problem is we don't have political leaders yeah. with the will to use the cheaper, cleaner oil that we have right here. Crisis is a profoundly bad way to run an economy. It's, it's, and it, that's so spot on, but it's what they're doing with everything. Student loans, yeah. right? It's a crisis, so we've got to chuck – trillion dollars at it. it no it's not yeah it's actually not incrementally most people could work their way out of it yeah if you got a good economy and you tell them they have to do it yeah, imagine that poke them with a stick and say go to work <laughs> nobody wants to go to work anymore that's the other thing that drives me crazy there was a period of my life but getting between driving a cab in here where things had kind of upticked i was i was uh, the head writer for kennedy show yeah I was guest hosting this show for like a six-month period. You know, they offer you the show, but then they have to make sure like every bigger name said no definitively <laughs> or wanted too much money, which I don't care. I have no pride. I, I didn't come into this with anything. War of attrition. I came into this with a taxi license. I don't care. The point <laughs> is I'm doing the show. I'm thrilled. You can't have an ego. What are you, nuts? I'm doing a show. This is amazing. But the point is there was a period in my life where I was um, – uh, the head writer for 200 radio shows, doing stand-up, hosting a New York Giants show with the New York Post, filling in on this show, writing Kennedy, appearing on TV. And the point is I was actually sprinting from thing to thing. You couldn't tell from looking at me, but I was yeah, actually – Yeah, he was like 145 pounds. <laughs> you could tell from looking at him. And then the other foot got on the scale. <laughs> but the point is I was actually sprinting yeah. from like meeting to hall to meeting to actually like to get it done. People would hand me like a, an orange wedge in the hallway <laughs> and a half a cup of water. You got it, Jimmy. Yeah, like you you're running it. a half marathon. <laughs> And now I see all of these people that are being like able-bodied young people yeah, that yeah. are just being told, oh, you don't have what you want. That's society's fault. We should probably give it to you. Yeah. And it's just such a bad way to live because part of like being here and enjoying this is knowing what a fight you have to wage to right, get here. Right. You don't it, enjoy anything if they, they give it to they you. They confuse the snapshot in time of their life with the whole story. So true. And, and we've been, you know, we tell young people, you know, you're, where you work is going to be the meeting of where the world has its greatest need and you of your greatest passion. Yeah. But that's actually unfair to them. Yes. Because at any given moment, you're probably not going to be at the point of the world's greatest need and your greatest passion. You're going to be somewhere, you know, in the quadrants, yes. but you're not there yet. It takes time. And and some of the jobs you have are going to be far from that point. Yep. But you're going to pick up a little something. Yes. 
You that want eventually you you need it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You eventually learn how to do all of it. Yes. You know what I mean? It wasn't until I worked in news full time that I realized how much of the drinking skills I acquired as a cab driver <laughs> and a comedian would come in handy. You know what I mean? Now you follow this news cycle every day. You're like, crack one, Jenny. The champ's coming downstairs. <laughs> I got to do another hit. Let's go. No, but it's true. Everything you learn in life, you will take with you along the way. And I think that's the problem now is we – this is what I think is true is I think we have such a narrow definition of success now, you know, yep. in that people don't know how to enjoy themselves, which is ultimately the barometer in yep. life. If you had fun, you won. You know how many rich people, you know, are miserable? Miserable. Miserable. I mean, again, follow politics. Yeah. Half, half, most of the people engaged in grievance culture have otherwise prosperous lives. But yeah. if they don't have somebody to be mad at and be better than, they can't, they can't do anything with that prosperity. It's bizarre. No, I, I was thinking that I, I, AOC was on some cover of some magazine recently. Yo, right? GQ. Saying, saying, I can never make it. There's no way I'm ever going to make it. And you, you sort of just look at, yeah, on the cover of GQ yeah. and you're like, you have a lot of things going for you, and you have got to be profoundly unhappy. Oh, so unhappy. To, to say that when you're on the cover of, of the oh, what is this, one of the top fashion magazines? I mean, you know, my yeah. fashion magazine, is, was it in the JCPenney catalog? Right? <laughs> <laughs> if you were lucky. I mean, I was, I was more of a Victoria's Secret guy. Oh, right, right, <laughs> right, really, right. Okay, okay. I, set really you up for, the, I set you up for that I wasn't really one. buying the clothes, but, you know, I was, uh, was, getting, I was waiting by the mailbox, you know, if it showed up. No, but you're right. And what they keep doing wrong is, is, you know, maybe saying this more as a parent is, you know, they're taking symbols of success. AOC is a symbol of success and possibility in this country. And they're using them as symbols of oppression. Mm. It's weird. Like I was, you know, I don't mean to beg beg on Meghan Markle, but like her podcast was about, you know, highlighting the fact that women are oppressed in this country. And to make the point, she had on Serena Williams and Mariah Carey, (laughs) two women who were worth a combined $2 billion. (laughs) And again, you're doing a podcast on food shortages with the cast of my 600-pound life. No one watching this believes there's a food shortage. You know what I mean? And I think that's the problem is, you know, the whole dichotomy of victorhood versus victimhood. Mm. I think we need to, you know, step on the gas of, of victorhood, you know? Yeah, well, just – and just a, a shred of gratitude. You Imagine know, just that. stepping back and saying, man, I got a lot of stuff that's going pretty well. It's doing all right, It's Bundberg. doing okay. And, and other people can do okay, too, yeah, if I just let them do their thing. We're not doing so okay that we're trying to save the planet, but <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Fremberg, uh, with any, another year like this, you and me will be climate <laughs> oh, change oh, activists. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Be flying private. I won't be talking to any of you losers. You guys get out there and save the environment. Jimmy's got some polluting to do. Great hit. We're back after this. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use the phone. 888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America, your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. This one's o- almost over, uh, and I know that does not sit well with a lot of you. Well, there is good news. You can see me on the TV at 5.30 Eastern Standard Time with Dagan McDowell. There you go. Going to be on the Fox Business Network, me and Dagan chopping it up. Uh, tomorrow night I'm on Gutfeld with Greg Gutfeld at 11 o'clock Thursday. 
Myself and the Queen of Daytime, Harris Faulkner, getting the band back together. Uh, Thursday, I'll be on Fox Business as well. And then Friday, Link and Fallow back on the show because we got another football game to win this Saturday. Linkman and the Clark Rams now off to a 1-0 and start. If you missed that at the top of the show, a shout-out to the Rams for getting the job done. And uh, a shout-out to you for riding along with this program today. Nobody's having more fun on the radio than us. Like me and Brenberg. Uh, If you missed it, we will post that on the Fox Across America page. It's just we have the best time on the radio. The guy's an economics professor. And in theory, you shouldn't have a good time talking economics. It's just so boring. But he's a real dude and makes it fun. And, of course, you know, it does help that I'm on some low-rent bath salts and Tide Pods, so I'm always in a spicy mood. But the point is... People like us who are out here having a good time, roasting those radio marshmallows while the world's on fire. Oddly enough, you wouldn't think so, but we're the ones holding things together. You need that little port in the storm, you know, and I'm so happy to be that. For all of you who are messaging me on the page, uh, all of you who are welcome to come see me in Iowa. On October the 15th at the Bridgeview Center. I know I'm not supposed to promote this anymore. You guys have had it. Shut up. Will you shut up? Fine. The show's over. Pay up. Get out. We're back here to do it again tomorrow. Until then, be a Republican. Be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.